kids are busy from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., you know, or longer. And what what they really need is they need a brain that works well and they need to be able to be creative and they need to be able to interact and have good social skills. And all of those things that you can't really measure, they come through play. You know, they come through downtime. They come through time that's not scheduled, scheduled. And I think, you know, we direct we're adults. So we feel like we know so much and we have so much to offer and we direct so much of the time um, well, in a well-intentioned pursuit. But the research is pretty clear that kids need large expanses of time to themselves where they, they are figuring out what they're going to do and how to get along with other kids and that sort of thing. Welcome to the Movable Podcast, where we interview using education, movement, and play from around the world. Here's your host, my daddy, Brian Lane. Did you know the average American child spends 1,200 hours a year in front of screens? What if we instead tried to spend that same amount of time outside? Here to tell us how to do exactly that, please welcome the creator of 1,000 Hours Outside, Ginny Urich. Ginny, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. It's so funny because you and I both push outdoor play and movement and all that stuff, but here we are stuck in front of a screen doing a podcast. (laughs) But it's late at at night, so it's all right. I wouldn't be outside anyway. But this is where technology is great because it's such an awesome way for us to connect with something like this. Because otherwise, it'd be really hard to have this conversation. I mean, it's true, like this. Uh, right? I think that everything that I do is um, is uh, it comes through technology, through Instagram or Facebook or blog posts, or so. There's mm-hmm. definitely um, a need for it. It's helpful. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. My first question for you is just: How did you even? develop this passion for being outside? Is this something that you've had your whole life or did this happen recently? Um, it's just a, I mean, my, my story is kind of just a random one, which I think a lot of people's stories are random. You just have these small moments that um, really shift the direction of your life. We had um, three kids in less than three years. Um, so we had three under three for about three months. And I was wow. just sort of drowning as a mom. I it was awful. <laughs> I yeah, don't know. Yeah. I was struggling. And I, you know, um I appreciate you being honest about that too. Yeah, it's hard. Life is pretty isolated and my husband had about an hour commute to work, so he'd be gone for, you know, 10 hours. And I was really down. You know, I, I, just to get up and I I was so overwhelmed with it all. And I had a um I just didn't really know what to do with my kids. You know, we did programs because I think that's what most people do. Library program and swim program and, you know, the little soccer program or or these things. And it was a lot of work to get three kids to the library program for 45 minutes, you know, and and have all their snacks and finagle them in there and make sure they didn't get hit in the parking lot and buckle everyone (laughs) and all that stuff. And I felt like it was like a marathon, you know, and then it'd only be 11 in the morning. What am I going to do? do (laughs) Husband's not coming home for seven hours. I don't know. So it's just like I was struggling. I was drowning, and um, I had a friend who um, 
was in my mops group, like at my church, mother of preschoolers. And she, okay. um, she was going to homeschool and she had kids that were a year older than mine. And she had read the work of this educational philosopher from like the 1900s named Charlotte Mason, um, who actually had no kids of her own, but she has these mm -hmm. volumes about kids and learning and family life. And she said that kids should be outside for four to six hours on every tolerable day. And her mm -hmm. works have really spanned the test of time. People really still look to her writings. They're really influential. And I just remember thinking that was an absurd idea, you know, four to six hours outside. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I wanted to have friends. <laughs> So I was like, okay, I'll try it with you. You know, she asked, I mean, yeah. this, this is like the small turning point where someone told me a different way. And so it was in the fall of 2011. So we're coming on almost 10 years where we went to a park. This is going to just sound like the simplest thing ever, Brian. Like we went mm -hmm. to this park from nine in the morning till one in the afternoon. And we brought a picnic lunch and we each had like a babe in arms and toddlers and you know, she had two toddlers and I had two toddlers and they just ran around <laughs> for four the hours time, huh? the whole yeah, time. There was a little creek bed that went through and they would throw rocks and there were ducks and there were squirrels. And, um, you know, they came and got their lunch and we had our babies and, and then we went home and, you know, maybe the kids were tired and rested for a little bit, but it was sort of like this day that changed my life because hmm. all of a sudden I had hope, you know, wow, that was a, it was my first good day as a mom, you know, wow. where I felt um, like I could do it. And, and so from that point on, we, we adopted this sort of, it was a different type of lifestyle, which is like three days a week, we'd meet up at a park for four to six hours and we rotated our parks. We're in Metro Detroit. There's a lot of parks. Mm -hmm. um, and Originally, it was just for myself. I was like, this is making it so I don't feel like I'm drowning. <laughs> but within a few weeks, I noticed like significant changes within my kids. They were sleeping better. They were eating better. They were like ruddy. You know, they were balancing better. They, you know, they mm. were doing new movements. And, um, you know, it was really noticeable right away that they were thriving too. And yeah. so in time, I came across a lot of the research. Richard Louvre has a book. A lot of people have read Last Child in the Woods, which related to our experience because we weren't ever running into other kids. And um, <clears throat> Angela Hanscom has a book. She's a pediatric occupational therapist. Hers is called Balanced. Hers is called, I think, Barefoot and Balanced. I get it backwards. Yes. But, okay. Um, you know, where I started to talk about how movement is the foundation for learning. And I, I saw it within my own kids long before I had seen the research. And so, I don't know, a couple years in, because it had been so influential to me, I added up how much time we were spending outside. I, I was a math teacher. <laughs> so oh, I, okay. I don't know. I was sense. just kind of curious. And we were doing like 18 to 20 hours a week as this little nature group. Um, real sort of authentic. It was just sort of a little group of friends. And it turned out to be 1,200 hours a year. Hmm. And I had just recently read that that was the average amount of screen time for the American child was 1,200 hours a year. And I yeah. thought not, you know, just like I was, we talked about at the beginning, not that I'm super against screens, but more about all of these moments that we had, we would have lost them. Mm -hmm. You know, so... 
So that's sort of where the idea of 1,000 hours outside came from. It's catchier than 1,200 hours outside. Yeah, yes, it is. <laughs> it's a little bit more leeway too. Yeah. And so that, so you know, it really was just a small moment that changed our course, and we're still doing it because it works. It works for all of us. That's such an amazing story. I mean, I know you're saying that it's simple the way the way it all happened, but I think, like you said, how that was your first somewhat successful day that you felt as a parent, and you had three kids by that time, right? Mm-hmm. And that, and so when you have that profound of an experience, obviously you're going to think, "Man, I want to do this all the time because now, now I feel like I can actually do this." So I think that's such right. a cool perspective that you had on it. Thank you. And and I hope that people just hearing that alone will be willing to try what you said because I, I I think so. You know, you just try it one time. And I think if you come at it, I came at it not knowing the research. Mm-hmm. I think had I come at it knowing the research, I would have been even more hooked because it was mm-hmm. such a great day. You know, people talk about mother nature as the third teacher. Hmm. or or just about how the environment is a teacher it's it's a helper it's like you have another set of hands or another someone occupying the kids um because they're really occupied outside and and when you're inside i think there's a lot of pressure on parents and that's i think why we turn to screens a lot of the times mm-hmm. you know because kids need that um that sensory input and if they're not outside, then inside they're going to, you know, they're driving you up the wall a little bit. Yeah. That's so cool the way you put it though earlier about how, honestly, I think most of us don't really think there's another way. I think we all eventually fall in that trap of the programs, like you said, like we got to get them in this and then get them in that. And then how many parents do you talk to where by the end of the week, they're talking about how tired they are from taking their kids to soccer practice and lacrosse. And then one parent takes them here while the other one takes them there. And that's all they know at no fault of theirs, but. And it's very, it's very well-intentioned. You know, I I had no idea that outside time laid such a foundation and gives lifelong benefits. You know, everyone's trying to do their best by their child. You know, they're trying to prepare them for adulthood, but I think we have it backwards. Yeah. Just from, just from not knowing. Yeah. So what, so what do you mean? Can you elaborate on that part a little bit by saying that we think we have it backwards? What do you mean by that? Well, you know, we're trying to prepare our kids to be successful adults and happy adults. And, and I think the way that we go about doing it as, you know, in general, as an American society is through enrollment and kids are busy from 6am to 6pm, you know, Hmm. or longer. And, what what they really need is they need a brain that works well and they need to be able to be creative and they need to be able to interact and have good social skills and all of those things that you can't really measure they come through play you mm-hmm. know they come through downtime they come through time that's not scheduled scheduled and i think you know we direct we're adults so we feel like we know so much and we have so much to offer and we direct so much of the time um well, in a well-intentioned pursuit, but the research is pretty clear that kids need large expanses of time to themselves where they, they are figuring out what they're going to do and how to get along with other kids and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with you. And, and as a PE teacher, 
I obviously see the importance of sports and team sports and activities like that, but that's not all there is for kids too. And and I think a lot of people, especially myself, as someone who was an athlete and everything growing up, I think that that's how you're active. You enroll in programs, you get in these sports and you do all these things. And it's so easy to get caught up in that mindset. And I really liked, I wanted to mention this one quote that I saw you on your uh, on one of your blogs. You said, the average American child only gets four to seven minutes of free play outside per day. Four to seven minutes of free play outside per day. That just blows my mind. I, I cannot believe right. that 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 that's the truth, that that happens. And four to seven hours on screens is what the average, that quote is out of Scott Sampson's book, How to Raise a Wild Child. And what I think, if I had to think about what's really going on there, probably kids are getting like 30 minutes a couple times a week or 45 minutes. I don't think they're actually going outside for four minutes and then coming in. But I think that there is so little space set aside for, hey, just go run around in the backyard. And that was really my experience you know, if we were spending 18 to 20 hours at these parks in Metro Detroit and never running into another child, which is not an exaggeration, you know, That's you don't really crazy. see kids outside. I know. Honestly, even when my son and I or my wife and my son and I are outside, sometimes people look at us as if it's like, whoa, who's that? There's people outside. Like if we're going for a walk somewhere, it seems like it's rare for people in their houses to see people walk by their house. So they kind of look at you with a, a different kind of look instead of and instead of them being expecting to see someone walk by. It's a surprise to them because right. like you said, we notice the same stuff. Mm-hmm. I have noticed, though, during when this whole pandemic happened and everything, I have noticed many more people being outside, especially Me as family. Too. Me too. Which has yeah, been great to see exactly. so many, so many mm-hmm. people outside. Mm-hmm. Have you had more interest in your site yeah, and your quite program? A bit. Yeah, quite a bit, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's something to do. You know, I think I think it's actually that same dilemma, which is like, what am I supposed to do with my kids? You Mm -hmm. know, so it's a message that this matters and also that it's important. And to me, it's a message of hope, you know, Mm -hmm. that we don't have to do so much. We don't have to like have a rat race of childhood. We can really slow down. We can enjoy each other. We can be present together. We can build these memories, you know, where it's not just driving from this activity to the other activity and sitting in the bleachers or, or being an onlooker, you know, Mm -hmm. we can really be a part of it and still get the same benefits, if not even more. Yeah. And that's really what I like. I was saying this earlier, but that's really what I like about a thousand hours outside is the simplicity of it. I know that you have a handbook, but at the same time, I think so many people are looking for some kind of spoon fed um, curriculum where it's follow this, do this, do this, do this, because it's easier to do that. But I really like how yours is just the pure nuts and bolts of it are a thousand hours outside, get outside, experience the outdoors, and all those other things are going to start to fall in place all the other things that you believe in and that you talk about and that we all understand can happen. Just get outside first. And that's what I really love about what you do. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's just the most simple thing, but it's very powerful when we're intentional about including nature time into our schedule. That's it. Mm -hmm. So one, one question I wanted to ask you, and 
I can't remember who I heard this from, but I know it's a very popular quote now, and I'm sure it's in Balanced and Barefoot and all those books. But um, the saying that there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothes. And that's something that I heard, I think, I want to say back in May or June, and it floored me. I know it's such a simple quote, but when I heard that, I'd never thought of it like that. I always just thought, well, if it's raining outside, we can't really do that much outside. We'll wait till the rain stops and then we'll go outside. But in order to spend a thousand hours outside, you're going to have to go outside in what people call bad weather. So can you talk about that part of things a little bit? Sure. Um, there is um, a mom, a, a mama. She goes by rain or shine mama. Her name's okay. Linda, Linda McGurk. And she is um, from Sweden. Oh, I hope I got that right. <laughs> okay. to this. So she has, she has a book outside called um, a book. What I said it wrong. She has a book out called there's no such thing as bad weather. And okay. her whole book, it's a fabulous book. It's about how there's these culture differences, you know, that where she grew up, you know, kindergarten is outside, you know, these outside elements are incorporated into the school day and it's rain or shine. You know, the hmm. kids have rain suits or snow suits and um, it's just an expectation. And so uh, I think the saying might come from them or, or cultures like that different mm-hmm. than here. And, um, so, you know, we're a little wussy, honestly. <laughs> we're yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, it gets cold. It's hard to bundle kids up. It's hard to take out babies when it's freezing cold and the mittens. Um, so we mm-hmm. definitely stack our hours, you know, to the better seasons, which is another reason why I, I was going to sound dumb to say I like my own thing. But the <laughs> thousand hours outside, um, it it gives leeway for the different seasons. And so in the Mm -hmm. winter, you know, we may go out for an hour a day or half hour, or there may be days where it's storming and we don't go out at all, you know, but then in the summer we camp for a weekend and it sort of evens out. But um, it is interesting to read about the different cultures and how there are areas where that's just the expectation, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the environment of childhood includes the outdoors and it's very different than how it is here in the States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially I've talked to some people in Finland and their their weather is colder than what you and I would mm-hmm. have in our in the states we're in and they don't think anything of it. They still kids still bike to school when there's snow on the ground, which is unheard of here, but mm-hmm. there it's normal. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking as far as teachers go and, and parents, I guess, what are some ways that we can encourage each other to still I guess, take that leap of faith and go outside when it is raining or when it might be snowing. I mean, are, do you have well, any you tips know, for I people? Think, I think that every, you know, this is something that we struggle through because I don't mm-hmm. like to be cold. Um, but after reading that book by Linda McGurk, it challenged me to look at each season or each bit of weather, you know, as what does this offer? What's different about this? So for example, maybe we do a bonfire in the winter. You know, Mm -hmm. normally we just do those in the summer, camping or different things. But if you do a bonfire in the winter and you roast marshmallows, it's a totally different experience. When you hike in the winter and there's snow and you can see animal tracks, you know, it's a totally different experience. And so, I mean, when you go out in the rain, that's fun. I mean, kids, Mm -hmm. kids like that and they splash in the puddles. And so I try to look at it as, you know, what can this provide that's different that we can embrace, um, you know, that 
that maybe we normally wouldn't experience. And that has helped me to sort of push through um, when I'm uncomfortable and not really wanting to be outside. Yeah, I know. And, and it's it's hard because the kids feel the same way. But I think once they get out there and they start, they know that it's okay to play around in the rain and in the snow, they kind of forget about it. But as an adult, we we definitely feel the the cold and the rain and it might be a little bit harder for us to convince ourselves to be out there. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it's more the adult, you know, we've tried things like bringing hot chocolate, you know, those are fun. There's little different things that you can do to make it special. Um, and so we just try our best and, and look for, look for what the opportunity is at hand. Yeah, no, that's great. I'm actually this, I know you were saying you guys have some cold, wet weather, colder, wet weather right now. And we're to the east of you, so I'm sure we'll be getting that soon. But I'm actually kind of excited for that to see how my students in PE handle it because we've told them rain or shine, we're going outside this year. And we've told them about raincoats and rain boots and all that stuff. And we have umbrellas. But what I'm anxious to see is how many of them have actually played out in the rain before and how are some of them going to be scared? Will some of them be really excited? Will some of them learn that playing in the rain is their new favorite thing now. So I'm anxious to see how that goes. Yeah, that's really neat. You'll have to let me know. Yeah, I know. That's good. Uh, how do them. your kids handle it? Do they like? Are, yeah, are there my any kids certain... are fine. They're fine. Yeah. You know, kids are kids are fine. It's usually just the adults, I think. Yeah. I mean, kids love the rain and mm-hmm. they love the snow and they love to sled. And, you know, so um, in our house, like they're good. It's just me. So got to make sure I'm warm enough. <laughs> And you have five, right? Yeah, we've got five kids. Yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. You got your hands full then. Yeah, they're good kids. We, we have yeah, a good, good time. I think I would be overwhelmed if we weren't getting outside. Yeah. But, you know, that yeah. helps smooth things over. And I saw that on another one of your blog posts when you talked about um, one kind of benefit, I guess, you can have from keeping your kids outside is the inside, the indoor part of your house should be a little bit cleaner than it normally is because you're not <laughs> staying inside making a mess all over the place. Sure, it should be. <laughs> yeah, I know. Especially uh, but it is true. I mean, I think, you know, if, if your kids are in the house all day, you're tending to, you're the one, you know, you have one parent or two parents who are, you know, tending to all the needs and also, you know, dealing with all the mess that, you know, inside people make. So, Getting outside definitely helps with that. Yeah. Well, so I want to shift our focus a little bit towards screens and technology. And I don't want to I don't want to sound like I think screens are the devil and no one should ever use them or anything, but one thing that I'm anxious to hear your thoughts on are at least at my school this year, and I think most schools in the country and probably around the world, because of the pandemic and because of remote learning and everything, kids and adults are required to be on their computers a lot more than ever before and it's just part of school now which has its pros and cons to it but one big con to it i see is that kids aren't getting up and getting outside as much anymore so how how do you think we how do we handle that right now with things shifting that's really tricky and i you know i'm the same as you don't want to say screens are the devil and also want to be very sensitive to families who this is their only option. You know, it's mm-hmm. really tricky. What I mean, you can't, you know, some some parents have a choice to stay home and some don't. And, you know, 
there's so many layers there. Life is hard and complicated. So, um, you know, I, I think, and I think it's complicated for the schools too. So Mm -hmm. for administrators, I would have loved to have seen outdoor school, um, especially, you know, through November when the weather's okay. Um, I would have loved to see school in the community. You know, can we rotate through different community buildings, which I know would be tricky, um, or or just project-based things, project-based learning, hands-on, or even just like, let's call it off and play this year, <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's, know. So much, there's so many benefits, but I know that there's so many nuances to employees and in in a, in a, in an institution and a system that, you know, needs to be upheld. But, you know, the thing that I learned from, there's this book called Smart Moves. It's by Carla Hannaford. Have you heard of that one? Okay. No, it, I haven't. It's called, it's really good. It's called Why Learning is Not All in Your Head. Hmm. And she talks about the like, movement as the foundation for learning. And one of the things that she talks about is how um, when your head is out of an upright position, it activates your brain. And hmm. so, you know, I think about being in school myself and like, you know, how kids always tip back in their chairs. I always tip back in my chair. Oh yeah, me too. You know, it's like, you're trying to, you're trying to activate your brain. Like kids are doing that. It's actually genius of them. They fidget Mm -hmm. because they're trying to like wake their brain up. And so when I talked at the beginning, like we kind of have it backwards. I feel that way a little bit with virtual learning because they're just sitting still. You know, when mm-hmm. our their head is not ever out of an upright position because they're just doing this. And it's the same when they play video games. It's the same when they watch television. So it's almost kind of like the school needs to institute a balance, which is to say, you know, if there's three hours of sitting in front of the screen, then there should be three hours of movement also incorporated within the day. However, that looks if kids are playing yep. on the floor with Legos or, you know, they're playing with Play-Doh or things like that. So, um. You know, it's it'll it'll be interesting to see. I think um, where we're at, it's different from district to district. Some are in person, some are on screens from eight to three, and I think yeah. across the country, it's similar. It's similar that it's different. You know, yeah. it's just different pockets are doing it different ways, mm-hmm. and no one really knows how long. Mm-hmm. So you know, I think back in in March three weeks of virtual learning is probably no big deal, but it's three months, six months. I mean, maybe. So I don't know. I just think it's good to know about it because sometimes Mm -hmm. different opportunities arise and different situations present themselves. And, and as parents, you know, maybe they can balance it out, especially because there's not as many extracurriculars right now. Mm -hmm. So maybe after school we go for a hike or, we go down to the playground for a couple hours and call some neighborhood kids out. So um, I think it's just good to be aware of. Yeah. I, I really liked how you said it and you said it again too, just talking about that balance. Like I think it's a good idea if schools and teachers could try to strike that balance between three hours on the screen and three hours, at least out of your seat and moving in some shape or form. Because I, I agree. I know what the biggest challenge is, even for phys ed at my school, the kids have in-person PE one day a week where they used to have in-person PE three days a week. So that's a huge adjustment for everyone. But if they're not getting PE, 
they can still be active in a lot of other ways too. So right. I, I like that idea because I, I I was just looking at another another quote you had. I'm not sure if this is yours or if you got this from anywhere, but I still really liked it. You said school has mainly become a list of standards and benchmarks to be checked off. So I think unfortunately, kind of like what we talked about earlier with parents um, putting their kids in programs and enrolling them in things, they're not meaning to do anything wrong at all. They're trying to do what's best for their kids, but there is a better way to go about it. I think unfortunately, teachers and schools are falling into that same kind of trap, I guess. I think just like you said, it's becoming standards and benchmarks. They think they're doing the right thing. And sometimes they're, they just have to follow what they're being told by their administrators too. But it's tricky. It's tricky. I mean, I used to be in the public schools too. So uh, I taught for five years. I think, I think it's tricky because we're in this business of raising whole children and there's so much to raising a person. And, um, you know, they have all these aspects of themselves, you know, they have their physical and their spiritual and their emotional, you know, and their mental and their social, they have all these parts to them. And when I look at the school system as a whole, we really are only focusing on such a small part of that. You mm -hmm. know, we're, they, we're, we're focusing on the things that can be measured, you know, yep. the academic things or, you know, can they do this skill, but really there's so much more to, to a child. And so really it just comes back to balance. And that's sort of what I found with 1000 hours outside, you know, for us, which is like, life is crazy. There's a lot to do, but I have found that if I, and I still do it, even though I know the benefits, even though I've experienced this for nine years, it's so easy to have it be the last thing that you schedule and then you don't schedule it. It, it just doesn't, it doesn't get there. And so mm -hmm. what I found is that if I honor this part of childhood that is so needed, then, then it all sorts of, it falls into place, you know, and, mm -hmm. um, it's not just a, a, a one-sided experience, you know, where we're trying to, you know, put in the second grade information and move on to the third grade information. Yep. Um, I read this thing one time, it said, it was so interesting. It said, I, I have to look back and find out where I read it, but it said the number one predictor of success in life is how well we get along with other people. Wow. Like, that was phenomenal, I you know? And, yeah. and, and so there's so many things that kids get when they play outside. You know, I always think like if my kids, they play outside with another group of kids, they come up with something out of nothing, you know, yep. and they're motivated to keep playing because, um, they love to play and, and they want everyone to keep playing. So there's that intrinsic motivation to sort of cooperate and collaborate and not be too domineering. And um, like those are skills they take with them for the rest of their lives. So, you know, I just think that a, ba a balance, it just comes back yep. to balance and, and knowing that we're so focused like on the report card and, and the things that we can check off. Um, it's easy to forget about those other things that are equally as important. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And, and unfortunately this, the shift that I start to see in phys ed is I think there are a lot of us who feel like I'm trying to figure out the best way to put this. There's, there's a lot of us PE teachers who feel like our jobs aren't valued as highly as the classroom subjects like science, math, ELA, all those. 
So especially and I, and I would say yours is the most important. You know, from well, what I've learned much. from all of the research, yeah. the research says like that Carla Hannaford and that it's these, you know, who's saying it is the pediatric occupational therapists. They're the ones. And I think like we only, it, a teacher sees the sort of span of decades, right? I mean, you've only been teaching 10 years though. So maybe someone who's been teaching 30 years would have seen like, okay, these skills are really declining, mm -hmm. but it's this pediatric occupational therapist who are like having these wait lists so long of these kids who are missing these core skills. And they say, it is movement. Movement matters. Movement is the foundation and movement gives lifelong benefits. And even in Angela Hanscom, Hanscom's book, she talks about how it takes 45 minutes for a kid to develop a play scheme. So, hmm. you know, if you send the kids out to recess and it's only 20 minutes, they don't ever even dive deep into the pretend sure. and the, you know, or if PE class is only an hour I don't know how long it is. You know, it's not, yeah, it's not long enough, really. You know, mm -hmm. they need. And so if we saw a nature play and if we saw movement as this foundation, if we looked at what the research said, I think we would spend so much more time there. There's all sorts of studies that say, you know, kids that get an extra hour of recess, they do better in all of their academics. It's because their brain is enhanced. These mm -hmm. movements, um, that Carla Hannaford, she's got this really cool quote. It's a statistic. Mm -hmm. She says that 79% um, of elderly people who, I'm sorry, let me say it again. Elderly people who dance regularly have a 79% okay. less chance of developing dementia. Wow, elderly really? people who dance regularly. And and then she also says if you play a musical instrument, it's a 69% chance. It's, it's about how complex movements enhance and grow the brain, you know, mm -hmm. and that's what kids do naturally. That's what I saw with my own kids. You know, they're going to run down a hill and then they're going to run down a hill and leap over a log and then they're going to climb a tree and then they're going to bike. Even today, my 10 year old, she like bikes and then she pulls her legs over the seat to the other side, you know, like all these <laughs> little bike tricks. Yep. They're constantly doing stuff like that. Yep. And that is enhancing their brain. So you can see how if movement if there's time allotted for movement, then they're going to do better in everything, in mm -hmm. all of their subjects. Yeah. Because their I brain totally works agree. better. Yep. And just that the creativity that they develop and that they learn from that too, like you're talking about, just coming up with different tricks to do on your bike or different ways to get over something. Sure. There, um, there's, a, there's a company called the Brand X Method we work with a lot, and uh, they call it Movement Solutions. So giving kids a chance to come up with solutions for stuff, how to get over a log that they see or how to carry something from here to there. And I love That's that because cool. you're, I'm writing that down instead of X. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you some stuff on them, too, because it's that's what we try to do as parents and teachers too, trying to give them situations where they have to figure out how to solve the problem instead of us trying to tell them exactly how it's supposed to be done. And I think telling them exactly how it's supposed to be done ends up being a more common approach with with parenting and teaching a lot of times too and it's hard to that seems like that's like the default option like here let me just show you how to do it this is how you do it and then go but giving them right, the but time when you and think the about space. children when you think about children this is what i always go back to i always go back to like you know how well did your crawling class go you know like yeah. kids 
they learn. They learn so much on their own and it's mastery. They learn mm-hmm. from mastery. They know exactly how many times they have to rock back and forth on all fours before they take that first little arm motion out or they, you know, they know. And and so there, we could never develop as smart as we are, as much life yep. experience as we have. We could never develop a course for a child to teach them how to walk. And I think because school starts so early, preschool, you know, it starts so young that we forget how much they bring to the table. I, I read recently that one of the most difficult um, things that we'll ever learn, most intricate things is is how to speak. Hmm, you know, really? that, that is because, and, and it makes sense because if you try and learn another language, we never really um, get it down, you know, in terms sure. of like, not in terms of the language itself, but in terms of um, the accent. You know, mm. everyone always has an accent because to learn those like subtle movements of your jaw and your lips and da da da, you know, it's. I, I read that it's just as hard, if not harder, as learning ma- mastery of a musical instrument. And wow. it's like kids learn language by the time they're three, hmm. all on their own, just yep. through listening and talking. So I don't know. I don't think we give kids enough credit. Um, in terms of what, you know, what they bring to the table and, um, you know, what they are drawn to do, you would know, you know, from grades one to four, or kindergarten to four, you know, this is when kids learn to ride a bike. This is when kids learn how to swim. You know, these are huge skills that yeah. they learn during those years that are really valuable. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't yeah, stop. I, you know, I think we like at one, they learn to walk and we kind of forget about all these movement milestones, but they, they really continue on through adulthood if you know if there's time given for them yeah i agree well one thing i'm gonna i'm gonna challenge you with this too i I know i didn't ask you this ahead of time so but because i know you're a teacher you used to be a math teacher what do you think about assessment then how do we where does where does assessment of skills and of learning where does that fall in line with this because i love the idea of free play and you and i totally agree that kids need way more of that and that it's important. But I think a lot of teachers and myself included back when I first started teaching, I think that um, we thought free play would lead to a decreased performance on assessments and things. But now I would argue obviously that it doesn't, but at the same time, it also depends on the assessment that you're giving. Okay. Well, do you know that we homeschool? So I'm going to, mine's going to go off, off the rail a teeny bit. So we are home, we home educate and there is the national home education research Institute. Um, that's been doing studies since about the eighties. And, and they say that home educated, this is a shocking statement. Home educated students perform 25 to 30% better on standardized tests. Really? And, um, that's a shocking number. Yeah. And, you know, they relate it to one-on-one tutoring, um, but also kids just get so much more time. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting about home education, our oldest is in seventh grade, so we haven't been doing this forever, but mm-hmm. there's so much variety. Like, you know, when I taught in the public schools, it was like every single 10th grade geometry class has to look exactly the same. And every yep. single and every single assessment has to be exactly the same. And in a home education environment, like our 
ours looks nothing like anybody else's. There's so much variety. And yet, mm. and yet that statistic still holds true. And so there's more to it. I think there's so much more to it than seat work. Yep. You know, I think that that's what that stat shows is that, and, and, and these other research studies that say the kids who get an hour extra of recess perform better on their academic, um, you know, on their academic measures. And so in my classes, we did a lot of games. I had taken a class mm. for my master's degree called gaming and simulation. Oh, that's and cool. I, and I loved it. And it was, it was really meant for, um, corporate teachers, like teachers who teach in the corporate setting or do like onboarding for like motor, like Ford motor company or something. And, and how you can have it be more game-like. It doesn't have to be like quite so boring. And so mm -hmm. I had incorporated a lot of that in my classroom. So there was get up and move and they moved their seats and they'd play these different games. And I think, I think those things were really helpful, you yeah. know? Um, so it's just an awareness that there's so much more to learning than, than sitting. Mm -hmm. I guess that's kind of the bottom line. Yeah, you know? I agree. It, it's hard because I, I don't want anyone listening to this to think that it's uh, me versus them. Like uh, I don't like classroom teachers or you don't like classroom teachers or anything like that, because that's not, I know that's not what you're saying. That's not what I'm saying. The best way I can describe it is, is exactly the, the uh, situation you brought up in the beginning about parents putting their kids in programs. Like I've mentioned a couple of times, I think, I think that our goal, you and the goal that you and I have is to educate people on the importance of these things so that we know there is another way that people could try. Doesn't mean that what they're doing right now is is so wrong that they're a bad person or, or they're a bad teacher or anything like that. But there is there are other options and there are there's research to back that up that says how valuable it is and how important it is. Right. Right. And it's sometimes it takes the pressure off, you know, mm -hmm. a little bit. You know, you don't have to do A, B, C, D, and E and you know, it doesn't have to be so rigorous, I think, you know, like um, my last year in the public schools, I was in an administrative role and I was um, helping with the math curriculum from kindergarten to 12th grade in our okay. district. And wow, that's a large um, span there. Yeah, well, you know what it was. It was like making sure it was consistent, you know, across mm. the school. That was kind of the main the main thing. It was very assessment focused. But one of the things, and it was very eye-opening, was um, that was the year that our school district rolled out full-day kindergarten. So that was like, you know, within the last 10 years, full-day kindergarten was not a thing. And then all of a sudden it was everywhere. And I sat in this meeting with all these kindergarten teachers, you know, what are we going to do with this extra half a day? And Every single one of the teachers, I mean, without exception, said, well, these kids need to play. Like, we hmm. need to have stations, and we need to have recess, and we need to have rest time. And, you know, they That's were great. unanimous. But, you know, it didn't go that way at all. It all mm -hmm. went to academics. Yeah. So, um, I think their hands are tied all over. They are. I think the teachers' hands are very tied. I don't, you know, mm -hmm. I I think that the the teaching career used to have a lot of autonomy, and it doesn't anymore. And and a lot of people say that stems back to, you know, a no child left behind, like mm -hmm. an act where you know we're we're really pushing these standardized tests. So, 
I don't really know what the solution to that is because I know sometimes it's, you know, federal, it's laws. But I think if teachers in any capacity can like skirt around it a little bit and and include any type of movement or any type of, um, you know, 10 minutes of jumping jacks or and know that that is in the end is going to increase those scores anyways. Um, you know, that maybe they have the confidence to do that or, or to partner with the parents and say, Mm -hmm. let's, let's have, let's try and hike once a week, you know, all the families, can we, you know, can we do that or have these little classroom goals of, you know, just playing in the backyard or, or things like that would be really helpful. That's where I really like your tracker sheets. I think that even if people wanted to tweak them in their own way, I think it's an amazing way to have goals like that for your kids to get them outside. And I think teachers could do the same exact thing. And, and like I told you before this started as a PE teacher, I, I gave all of our students tracker sheets that aren't required for PE, but I'm encouraging them to do that when they're at home. So I talk to their families about it and I want them to, if they want to try to use those tracker sheets to keep track of how much they're outside. Um, so I, I love those sheets that you made up and all the variety of different ones you have. It's cool. Thanks. Thanks. We actually have a competition right now. People can uh, submit a design for 2021. We've got a thousand dollars of prizes out there. So that's kind of fun. I, you know, people, we didn't used to have to do this, you know, in the eighties, it would have been absurd to have a tracking sheet on the fridge, you know, but it's because kids naturally played outside. I actually, I did a, um, a Facebook live the other week with Angela Hanscom. So she's the one who wrote the balanced and barefoot. And she has a program called Timbernook where kids play in the woods. She's mm-hmm. a pediatric occupational therapist. So she said when she goes and speaks at different events, she has people calculate like about how much time did you play outside when you were a kid? You know, and people would say, well, I got home from school at, you know, we had, you know, maybe we had two hour long recesses. You know, oh, I really? had, I had that as a kid, one in the morning, yeah. one in the afternoon. Um, yeah, I think I did you know, too when I was younger. Yeah. Get home at yeah. three, three thirty or four. We walked to school. We walked yep. home a mile. Ours was a mile, you know, hmm. and then we got home and, and maybe one day a week we had piano lessons, but the other days, nothing, you know, so yep. we'd play outside for a couple hours till dinner. So she said that most people said they had about four to five hours of outside play a day in their growing up years. And that mm-hmm. when they calculate it for their kids, you know, they have less than 45 minutes. So yeah. of just downtime. And so that's yeah. why that it's changed. And that's mm-hmm. why paying attention to it is so important. You know, it may, it almost seems like a silly thing, like this little piece of paper, but it, it shifts that balance back toward um, prioritizing the whole child. Exactly. And that and that's the key right there, prioritizing the whole child and prioritizing that part of it. Because if you don't if you don't set that sheet aside or you don't have it visible there, it's easy to forget about it and fall back into your old habits. Right. And TV is on all the time. You know, like when we were kids, there was only a shows were good from four to six, you know, or and <laughs> yeah. and on Saturday morning the good cartoons were done by noon. So there were there were checks and balances like within society's framework and there's not anymore it's like you can access Mm -hmm. any show at any time you know plus so much other you know you throw in youtube and i mean there's just we could be on screens 24 7 and so um it's it's hard it's hard for Mm -hmm. parents it's hard for teachers it's hard for kids um there's a lot of pressure so 
it's really so, a tricky time. Yeah, I agree. Have you had any really cool success stories or anything from parents and families that have talked about implementing the thousand hours? You know, outside? I get, I do, I get a lot of really cool feedback. Um, yeah. And the thing that the the thing that I love to hear the most is when people say, "I would have missed this." You know, like, like someone had posted, you know, they're up at sunrise, they went outside, you know, their kid is laying in the grass and, and they say, I, I would have missed this if not for this challenge. And, um, that to me is the coolest part. Cause you know, childhood mm-hmm. is quick and you only get to do it one time yep. and we don't want to miss it. You know, we don't want mm-hmm. it to just, um, fly by and, and be this harried experience where we, you know where we don't get to really savor any of it because we're mm-hmm. um, trying to get from one thing to the next. So that's always my favorite feedback. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Cause I, I heard a couple of years ago, I heard someone refer to screens as a thief. And I thought that was really, really interesting. That was a cool way to put it. And now I think of that all the time because like you said, it, it can steal, steal away that valuable time that could be spent doing so many other things. And not to say that you can't hang out and watch a movie here and there. That's fine. But when that's the main thing you're doing all the time is you're on a screen, then like you said, you're not experiencing everything that you could be. Right. Right. And it's just not balanced. I mean, we're talking four to seven minutes versus four to seven hours. I mean, it's a thing. Yeah. Richard Louv is the one who talks about, he has a quote. He says, um, Nature amplifies time and screens steal time, you know, so it's yep. the same sort of thing. Um, but and nature does amplify time. You know, you mm-hmm. really, you really have these, I think beyond all of like nature helps kids in every facet of their development, right? It helps them academically. It helps them socially. It certainly helps them physically, it helps them emotionally a lot. And there are a lot of emotional stressors, especially right now with pandemic and jobs up in the air, there are a lot of emotional stressors, masks, you know, so nature helps every facet of their development, but it also has strengthened our family relationships. You know, we have Hmm. these significant foundational memories that um, are there because when you're outside, it engages all your senses. You tend to remember those things. So our kids will remember when we went to this place or went on that hike or so there's just so many benefits. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Well, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me with this. It's been awesome. I've wanted to talk to you for a while just because I've been following you and using all of this stuff. So it's great to, to hear the words come out of your mouth with all this. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. I love talking to teachers and I think it's really cool what you're doing. It is my, that's like kind of my vision is that we partner together you know, and get the message out to parents that they can slow down a little bit and gain more even. Mm-hmm. So it's really awesome that you're doing that. I think it's very needed. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I mean any way we can collaborate on anything together, I'm, I'm all ears for it because like I said, I'm already, I'm already pitching the tracker sheets to all the kids. So awesome. I believe in it. So I'll, I'm here to help with anything you need too. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs>